brothers and sisters. Good morning in the morning. We're continuing this morning in our series on the person of Jesus Christ. We, we greet those of you who have joined us on live stream, who've been with us. We appreciate your, your uh, desire to look into these things, and we, we thank the Lord for you and your faith. You are a constant source of encouragement to us. We're continuing in our series. Today marks the 63rd lesson in this series of messages. We're going to be discussing some things today that have to do with the very foundation of the purpose of God. When it, see, when it comes to the central focus of what God is doing in salvation, at the very center of his purpose is a man. The man, Christ Jesus. Everything that concerns Project Humanity is spearheaded, so to speak, by his son, Jesus Christ. There is no valid consideration that can be had when Christ is in the background. Any kind of, any kind of efforts to think on anything with Christ in the background is an exercise in vanity. When it comes to our association with God, there is no association with deity apart from Jesus Christ. The way to God is not a process. It's not found in a program. It's in a person. The truth is not known by receiving a position. It's known by receiving a person. Life is not in a set of rules or in a procedure. It's in a person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The church actually has a three-step program for salvation. It's Jesus the way, Jesus the truth, and Jesus the life. Now, I understand that somehow that's somehow not enough for some church folk today. I understand that the institutions who attempt to bottle down and codify the truth into simplistic theological grocery lists for us will raise some objections to a Jesus-only message. But, like, who cares? Jesus isn't looking for Bible scholars. He's looking for followers. Jesus is not looking for technocrats. He's looking for tender hearts. He's not looking for super smart students of literature. He's looking for servants. When he came down, he didn't go into the synagogues to choose his disciples. He didn't take his pick among the scribes and the Pharisees. The men he chose were fishermen and tax collectors. Kind of makes you wonder if Jesus came back today, would like he have gone to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary to get his disciples? Would he have gone down to Ozark Christian College to get his disciples? Well, brethren, I'm not really convinced that he would. I'm not saying that everyone God has called is like a simpleton. These men were familiar with the scriptures to be sure. They were Jews. They were devote, these people were devoted inwardly to God. They heard the scripture read all the time, especially on the Sabbath days when they read the scripture. Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, but you see, he, he admitted he had to forsake all of that to follow Christ. Because you see, when it comes to understanding the truth of God, it's not realized by an academic pursuit. It's not accomplished by like studying really hard. 
It's not discerned in mountains of technical theological notes. The emphasis of Christian living is not study hard. It's follow me. Jesus said, follow me. He told his disciples, follow me. He said of his sheep, they follow me. He said, follow me about 20 times in the Gospels. He said, follow me. He set that emphasis. The Lord set that emphasis. Follow me. We follow Jesus. And we preach Jesus. And whatever people think about what we preach, we're not ashamed of it. I am not ashamed that the main points of my teaching is Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. And when such a message is boldly proclaimed, it doesn't matter if you lack what other men consider to be a formal education. The people will take note that you have been with Jesus. And that's the message, brethren, that makes all the difference. Now today I want to focus on this aspect of Jesus Christ that God said, that God has said, that he is mine elect. Isaiah 42.1 he is chosen of God. Isaiah the prophet spoke this of old before it ever occurred in Matthew. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy as he was going about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. In fact, this verse is referenced almost word for word in Matthew twelve eighteen. Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. Yeah. It's a determinant statement, brethren. That word was fulfilled as the multitudes came out to him. Mark records that the Gentile multitudes came along with the Jews. It says, Mark 3, 7 through 8, from Iduma and beyond Jordan and from Tyre and Sidon, they came out to him. Jesus, the servant of God, was chosen by God. He is the Lord's Christ. Acts 4, 26. He's, he's the Lord's anointed one. That's what that text reads in the NIV. He is his anointed, as David declared in the Psalms. He is the man whom he hath ordained. He is the Christ, the one appointed by God to save men. And this declaration was not a private declaration. The reality that Christ is the chosen one of God is not like confined to some obscure scribbling on a page locked up in a monastery somewhere, hidden amongst the scrolls. See, this was publicly declared and at a time when men's hearts were being prepared by God to receive the one that he would send into the world. It's confirmed in the text, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John and Jordan and straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened. What a comforting sight it must have been for the Son of God to see the heavens opened. And the spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son. 
in whom I am well pleased. That was a public announcement of this man approved of God. And what a comforting message it must have been to the Son of God himself who was just about to embark on his mission to lay down his life and take it up again. When it comes to performing the will of the Father, whatever it is, Christ is the one elect of God to perform it. Jesus was elect to fulfill the law and the prophets. He was elect to reveal the Father. He was chosen to serve as a ransom for many. He was elect to preach. He was chosen to call sinners to repentance. That's why he was sent. He was sent to to proclaim liberty for the captives. That's the one appointed. He was elect of God to give sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. To proclaim the year of the Lord. To preach the good news of the kingdom of God. To preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus Christ is the elect of of God, the one appointed to save the world, to give life and to give it more abundantly, to lay down his life and take it up again, to bring judgment, to give us the words of the Father, to give us an understanding. He was the man that would be appointed by God to destroy Satan's power and his works. He was elect to take away sin, him being the propitiation for the sin of the world. Not for ours only, brethren, but for the sin of the world. God was the chosen one that would do that. God was, Jesus was the one chosen to become a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. He was the one that God chose to be our intercessor, the only intercessor between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And the captain of our salvation. There is no other person that is responsible for, capable of, or appointed by God to carry these things out. God said, I will put my spirit upon him. The Holy Spirit actually found a permanent resting place upon the person of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit. Peter very well, he may he very well may have been referring to this account when he said to the household of Cornelius, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. See. Yeah, amen. Amen. Jesus was a man. Nay, nay, the man. Jesus was the man. Upon whom the Spirit could not only descend upon, but remain. It says that, it says, uh, he would not fail or be discouraged, Isaiah said. Shortly after this, Jesus spoke in the synagogue in Nazareth, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That That Spirit was remaining upon him. Just as, John, just as John was told. See, John was told this. It's the Son, and the only Son, to whom God giveth the Spirit without measure. Not, not only did the Spirit of God descend upon him and remain upon him, but it was without measure. This could, this could not be said of any other man. 
You know, there were a handful of people in the, in the scripture in which the spirit came upon. Like, like the spirit came upon Samson. The spirit came upon Saul and he prophesied. But it, it's not written for our consideration that the spirit remained upon any man until we get to the man, Jesus Christ. Well, I'll tell you, it was the sign that John the Baptist had been anticipating. He'd been told before that the one the Spirit would descend upon and remain would be the one that he was preparing the people for. It was at this time that John the Baptist understood that the time was nigh for himself to decrease and for Christ to increase. This is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. He's the reason that we're gathered here today. He said, I baptize you with water, but this one who comes after me, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. See, see, John's work was actually in preparation for a greater work that would be accomplished by God's chosen, his son in whom he is well-pleased. Now, it's one thing for God to be pleased with somebody. It's quite another thing for God to be well-pleased, thoroughly pleased. Remember, God said this to his son before he launched his earthly ministry. That, that he, he had not up to this point, see, Jesus had not up to this point healed people. He'd not up to this point restored their sight or went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil when God said this to his son. God said this before he chose his disciples. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Before, before he taught the multitudes. This was before he raised Lazarus from the dead. Yet he was well pleasing to God. His whole life up to this point had been not only acceptable, but commendable. And pleasant in every way in the eyes of the Father. Without any wavering inconsistency whatsoever. His whole life up to that point can be summed up in that he increased in wisdom. And he he increased in favor with God. And that he was always about his father's business. Even at the age of 12, he was, I wish you know I must be about my father's business. He, he He had this drive. And he still does. And God's still satisfied with Christ to this day. When, when, when God saw the travail of his soul, he was satisfied and he remains satisfied with it to this day. Those who, aren't, those who aren't about the kingdom business of the Father. Well, see, if, if Jesus was always about his Father's business, then if we follow Christ... We're always about our father's business as well. So those who aren't about the kingdom business of the father, then it's not that they need to try harder, it's that they need to follow Jesus, the chosen one of God. On the Mount of Transfiguration, in in the midst of his ministry upon the earth, God glorified the name of Christ a second time and emphatically declared, this is my beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. This is the one I've appointed. This is the one I've ordained. This is the one I've anointed. This is the one. God has made him both Lord and Christ. From the beginning to the end. We see the election of God. Concerning his son. 
we see the Son at the heart of his eternal purpose. God sent the Son from heaven. God prepared a body for him. God strengthened him and was with him. God told him what to speak. God told him what to say. God confirmed his approval of Jesus. God anointed Christ. God gave him the spirit without measure. God gave him a commandment to lay down his life and take it up again. God appointed a cup for him. God laid the stripes on him. God made him to be a curse. God did not leave his soul in hell or suffer his holy one to see corruption. God raised him from the dead. God has highly exalted him at his right hand and has given him a name above every other name. God has anointed him with the oil of gladness above his fellows god has made him both lord and christ god has laid in zion a chief cornerstone elect the elect precious god did that god gave it all to him he's god's elect jesus christ is the man elect of god and if he is then we can conclude That really nobody is elect of God apart from him. He's the man that God's elected. In fact, this is exactly what Paul taught in his epistle to the Ephesians. He said, we are chosen in him. That language. We are chosen in him. He said, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That's where the blessings are. According as he hath chosen us in him. That's where he does the choosing. It's in his elect. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. In other words, there's no such thing as a salvation that is inseparable from holiness. There's no such thing as a salvation that does not preeminently involve the Father's consideration of the Son. He is not saving men apart from this consideration, see, of of His Son. God is saving nobody apart from it. There There is an inseparable connection of Christ with election. You got you got to see this because we live in a we live in a day, brethren, where a lot of people are talking about the election of God's doesn't got Christ in it. There's an inseparable connection of Christ with election and holiness with election. Which means that the election which means the election of God is always right. When God chooses, it's right for him to choose. In fact, it's, it's really like the highest expression of love to be ordained to eternal life. It's the highest expression of love to first love us, that we would love him. I, I, I understand that carnal men, well, I don't understand some things that carnal men do. But carnal men have a problem with God choosing. But see, I don't have a problem with a God that is absolutely righteous and holy, doing anything that he says that he does. I'm not ashamed to believe that God has predestinated us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 1.4 
Predestinate is a Bible word. It's something that God does. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. See, I would be afraid. People ought to be afraid to take up a doctrine that essentially rejects the truth that God predestinates. If God says something and we don't understand it, if if this is hard for people to understand, they ought to believe it anyway. God said it. And God will not. God will not and cannot bless the understanding of those who have rejected his word. If you don't believe that, you will never understand that. You know, Paul anticipated the objection of men when he taught concerning the election of God. Paul anticipated this. This is in Romans 9. Right right after Paul states that God made a choice between two people before they ever did any good or evil in order that the purpose of God according to election might, might stand right after that. He said, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. What's really concerning is that this is the response of many people today. I'm talking pastors and teachers in the church who have been preaching for decades. They essentially have the exact same response to this passage. Are you saying that God chooses to save people and condemn people? How is that fair? No, we simply said what God said right here in the Bible And you didn't say amen. The holy and errant word of God says, so then it is not of him who willeth. It's not because you wanted it. It's not of him that runneth, but it is of God who shows mercy. It says, therefore, he hath mercy on whom he will have mercy and and whom he will, he hardeneth. And people destitute of the fear of God have boldness to say things like, why doth yet he find fault? For who has resisted his will? And this kind of a response testifies that a person has exalted their own understanding about above what God has plainly declared about himself. Such a person, they actually have a higher view of themselves than they ought to and a lower view of God than they ought to. As Paul answered that very question, he says, But nay, O man, who art thou? Who are you that that replies against God? Like, who do you think you are? That you would hold yourself in that kind of... That you think you know better than God knows. Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it? Why hast thou made me thus? Our God is a God of purpose. He declares the end from the beginning. He says, this is the manner of God. He says what he's going to do, and then he does it. And he does it in a way that he gets the glory for it. He does this, God works in a way where it is absolutely impossible for anybody to take credit for what he does. He said, my glory will I not give to another. There's a, Brethren, there's a lot of talk afoot in the church today about the free will of man. 
and how God will never violate a person's free will. And there's so much talk about it that you would conclude that it's taught all throughout the Bible. But there is really not one mention concerning the free will of men in any of Jesus' teachings or any of the apostles whom he sent. And I challenge you to find it. Mankind by nature does not have a free will. Jesus said, the lusts of your father ye will do. That's what he said. Every man's will is subject to the influence of whatever master they currently serve. Either a person does the will of Satan or they do the will of the father in heaven. See, mankind is made to serve. Mankind's not autonomous, which means that if mankind in Adam is really enslaved to sin, like the Bible tells us it is, if he's really enslaved to sin, then when he is provided with a choice, he will always make the wrong choice. And God has proved this principle to be true. Now, I'm going to prove it. He actually gave mankind a choice, didn't he? He's going to prove something about this condition. By doing this, he's going to prove something about our condition in Adam. He tells them, Choose this day whom you will serve. Yeah. All the way back there in Joshua 24, 15. He said, see, I have set before thee this day life and good, yeah, yeah. death and evil. He gave them a choice. Yeah. He gave them a righteous and holy law, and he made a covenant with them. On one hand, he promised a blessing if they kept the law. And on the other hand, there was a curse if they didn't keep the law. But after all that was said and done, and after all the time had passed, and they provoked the Lord over and over and over again, the Lord God assessed the entire human race in Adam and concluded they are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And when given the choice, Every single one of us chose to not serve God. So much for the commentary on the free will of mankind. And if all of humanity chose not to serve God, then we can really see the trouble that every one of us was in. Not only did our sin carry with it a penalty of condemnation, but it affected our ability to think and reason properly. Sin had an effect on our ability to choose God. If humanity's will unanimously was how to choose God, then pray tell, tell me how it's free. The scripture refers to this as the bondage of sin. And it was in every sense of the word, bondage. Therefore, our salvation, therefore, in conclusion to everything I've said, our salvation involves more than just paying the penalty for sin. It involves a real deliverance from sin. It it involves a deliverance from the power of sin, from the influence of sin, from the control of sin, from the mastery of sin. We who were once not willing had to be made willing. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. And you hath he quickened. Hath he quickened. You didn't come to this on your own. He has quickened you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now you can 
see a lifeless body on the ground and kick them and say, respond, say something. But I'll tell you right now, a person who's dead cannot respond to stimulus. And a person who is dead and trespasses and sins cannot respond to God until they are quickened, until they are made alive. Jesus delivered us and made us willing in in the day of his power. And the only reason why we have the power to do what is right is because of what he has done. The elect of God. See, otherwise we would all still be dead in trespasses and sins. The salvation of God is calculated to cause us to want what he wants and to hate what he hates. It's a new creation that avails anything, see? He said... I will give you a new heart. You'll, the re, if you want something different, it's because he gave that desire to you. He said, I will give you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26. He said, I will put my spirit within you and cause you, if a person's walking, and cause you to walk in my statutes, if a person's like walking consistently in the statutes of God, do they really think that they arrived on that path like kind of like all on their own? God was the cause of that. Ye shall keep my ordinances and do them. If anybody wants the right thing, God's behind it. If anyone's walking in his statutes, he's the cause of it. If anyone is keeping his commandments or ordinances, he is the genesis of it. He is the originator of it. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who maketh alive whomsoever he will. He's the one who opens the eyes of those who were born blind. He's the catalyst. He's the cause. This... This doesn't negate the responsibility of man, by the way, to the, towards the truth. This is just what he's declared in his word. This is the manner of our God. It is it, found all throughout the Bible. Abraham was a heathen man. He served pagan gods into his old age, and God called that man in his old age and made a covenant with him, and there was absolutely nothing about Abraham in and of himself in his association with Adam's race, that provoked God to call him. And just as God called Abraham out of paganism and idolatry into a new land and a new life, Jesus has called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And that not above ourselves, it was of him. By grace ye are saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's written, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Creature, Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Mm-hmm. See, the, the same kind of choosing can be said of the whole nation of Israel. God referred to it as mine elect, his people Israel. He said, but I have chosen Jerusalem that my name might be there and, and have chosen David to be over my people Israel. He chose them a peculiar people unto himself. He chose them to be a special people unto himself. He chose them. Moses and Aaron were were declared to be chosen. Psalm 105, 26. Jacob was declared to be chosen. Solomon was chosen. It says that he was chosen to build the house for the sanctuary. The Levites were chosen, it says, by the Lord to carry the ark of God. Saul was chosen of God 
to be a king. He was, he, was an, he was known as the Lord's anointed, the anointed of the Lord. Judah was chosen. Those who, had, those who God had chosen actually escaped the destruction of Korah. If you remember when the ground opened up, and so those who God, who were chosen escaped that, that condemnation. God raised up wicked Pharaoh of Egypt, it says, to show in thee my power that my name might be declared through all the earth. See, he, God raised him up. He, that's how he came to prominence. God chose him. Jesus told his disciples, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And not one of them said, what are you saying here? He chose their persons and their occupation for a predetermined purpose. How's that? He knew who he chose, it says, John 13, 18. He he knew those he chose. He said, have I not chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? Paul was referred to the Lord as a chosen vessel unto me. God's covenant is made with his chosen, the psalmist said. He has chosen a people for his own inheritance. We are a chosen generation, chosen in him before the foundation of the world. That from the beginning he has chosen us unto salvation. He has chosen us out of the world. He has chosen Zion and desired it for a habitation. God has chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith. Those who are called, those who are actually with the conquering lamb in the book of Revelation, are called, chosen, and faithful. There's no such thing as a chosen person who's not faithful. God told Jeremiah, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. All of the high priests in the service of the tabernacle were ordained to offer their gifts and sacrifices. The commandments of God, it says, were ordained to life. The creation itself, the moon and the stars are all ordained, the psalmist said. Psalm 8.3. All of the kingdoms of men and the powers that be, Paul spoke about that in Romans 13, are ordained of God. Jesus ordained 12 apostles that they should be with him. Paul was ordained a preacher and an apostle. There were certain ungodly men who even crept into the church who denied the Lord Jesus, so that they turned the grace of God into lasciviousness, who says that they were before of old ordained to this condemnation. The Lord has ordained that those who preach the gospel should live by it. The wisdom of God we speak in a mystery, it says, was ordained. Before the world began. When Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and preached to the Gentiles, it is written, as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Those are the ones that believed. The ones that God ordained to believe. They believed the message. We see the declaration of the election of Christ throughout the scriptures. Even in the text today. Those in him are, are said to be elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father. Peter wrote to the elect. John wrote to the elect lady and her children. 
It's written, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. See, he's the one calling the shots. He's the one making the judgments. Shall not God avenge his own elect? We put on, see, we put on things that are afforded to us in salvation as the elect of God. God's eternal purpose is stated to be purposed in Christ Jesus. There are good works that are, that are his workmanship that are before ordained that we should walk in them. Than them. It's declared that the Lord is the saving strength of his anointed. Paul was able to actually endure all things because of the elect's sake. He was able to he was able to, to labor in the kingdom knowing that God had chosen a habitation for himself. God is actually shortening the days in the end of the world because of because of the elect's sake, said. At that time, in the end of the world, it said that he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other to gather the elect. That's the purpose of his return. The Lord said, surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Isaiah declared, the Lord of hosts hath purposed and who shall disannul it? He said, yea, I have spoken it, and I also bring it to pass, and I have purposed it, and I will also do it. It's the, it's the elect that shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Now, brethren, that wasn't an exhaustive list of the things in the scripture that testify to the election of God. But that should be enough to plainly see that there is no question about the reality that God is ultimately the one who has purposed these things. And that the scriptures are actually about God. Jesus Christ is the elect of God. Now today, if you're caught teaching these things, many will try and label you a Calvinist, but I want to confess I'm not a Calvinist. And, and just for the record, I don't believe John Calvin was a Calvinist either. See, I'm a believer. I simply believe what God has declared about himself. The complicating factor is that we live in an arena currently where God and his purpose is not immediately revealed. There is very much a hidden aspect to God currently. For instance, Jesus is reigning right now at the right hand of God and all things are under his feet. But from an earthly perspective, sometimes things appear to be absolutely out of control. Or for instance, we know that it's said like God gave Israel in the Nebuchadnezzar's hand. But that's not how the history books recorded it. The history books recorded it. He marched in there and took it by strength. See, God said he gave it. History says he took it. Well, we're dealing with an arena of perspective here. We live in an arena in which there exists the perception of choice. And even though God has predetermined the course of things, from our perspective, there is a very real choice to be made. Jesus said, Mary chose the better part. That's what he said. From her perspective, she made a selection 
according to what she desired. All men in such an environment are therefore responsible for their response to the truth. And there is, in fact, from our perspective, a very real choice to make today. The wisdom of the world says that this is impossible, I understand. But the fact that some men were willing to deny the Lord in this current arena of perspective vindicates God's righteous judgment of their work because it was not entirely detached from their own volition. Even though it was purposed from the foundation of the world. It's the manifold wisdom of God and I glory in it. The scripture says that there's one faith. And then it goes on to say that this one faith is known as the faith of God's elect. It's, it's, it's by the which that Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ, what he said. So there is no such thing as a person elect of God that does not live by faith. So when people make assumptions, and there's a lot of assumptions today, when people make assumptions that they're eternally secure with God, but don't live for God, don't trust God, don't have faith in God, they're deceived. Scripture says, give all diligence to make your calling and election sure. Salvation cannot just be assumed. It must be proved. You must work it out. You must work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This is the arena in which God has chosen to do this. If anyone will know their election of God, they must abide in the elect of God, the one in whom whom he predestinates. That's the only way in this kind of an arena to be sure that you are secure. Eternal security is not found in a doctrine. We do not believe in eternal security. Eternal security is found in a person. We believe in Jesus Christ. We abide in him. We live by faith in the Son of God. And in that posture, we have confidence and assurance that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you, brethren. Is there any of you that have any comments? Concerning this message, it was a, it was an, ex, it was exhilarating for me Amen. to go over these things. Amen. Mm-hmm. Thank you, brother. Sister Jen. Yeah, it's it's good to to rehearse to ourselves. Yes. Uh, the the absolute uh, focus and centrality of Christ to everything that we are, we hope to be, uh, hope to inherit. Uh, the deliverance mm-hmm. to be able to identify it in Christ Himself, because mm-hmm. He's done so much. It's large. Salvation is large, mm-hmm. and yet it's been brought down to a, a pinpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus. If if you can <clears throat> learn Christ, you'll understand a lot. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 Brother Robert. Yeah, I, I love this text. There's Matthew twelve eighteen. It says, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we, we, we've been called, the gospel is a call. Yeah. 
and it awakens those who 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 trust in the Lord, who want they want. I mean, there's a you know you, you're out there in the world. If you haven't been converted yet, you're, there's an emptiness. There, there's a searching going on. You don't know what for yet. But when the when the gospel comes in faith, when when you believe, it opens up. It opens up um, this 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 fellowship with with the God who created you. You can't really explain it all, but you can experience the fellowship of Christ right now as you live by faith and draw close to Him. And then see from that perspective, once you're in. And, and once you're fellowshipping with God and you're denying ungodliness from worldly lust and, you're, and, and you want to please God from that perspective, you can look back and you can properly diagnose how you came in. Amen. But until then, you, you can't really, this, this doctrine isn't for unbelievers. Amen. It's for those who are in the kingdom of God. Amen. And then there will be, there, see, why? Because then we'll be able to, to give the proper thanks to God. For doing His will, working His will in us, both to both to save us and also this, we're fellowshipping with Him. Amen. This isn't something that's external as outside. He, we're, we're abiding in Him. Amen. And so, see, this this gives us we need this perspective because we have to battle against the old man and battle against sin and trying to it's trying to turn us aside. But see, when you know who you have believed in, Amen. When you're when you're living by faith and you can see that God's chosen you, you'll be able to say no to sin and yes to God. It'll empower you. And we got we have got to be empowered. So any Amen. church, any any fellowship that doesn't produce fellowship, see, it's just it's just pretend. It's just the way it is. And you know, you don't have to diagnose everybody else, but you can see in yourself. There were times in my life, especially when I traveled and worked out of state, that I was empty. I hadn't been with a brother, and I hadn't, and, and I saw there was an emptiness. What will you give in exchange for eternal life? So at, at all at all costs, get together with someone who can build you up. Amen. Because we're in a war right now. Amen. And what you just preached is absolutely true. And but see, the fact that it's fallen down. In our generation, and all these doctrines have cropped up that that you know that, that don't provide you this fellowship with God. It tells you something. We're living, we're living in a time of trouble, but we can overcome it if we just stay with Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes, it, I appreciate the message. It, all of the answers have been provided. Yes, that's right. Amen. And don't need to search for answers. They need to believe the answers. Yes, that's Amen. right. Everyone knows that a choice has to be made. Yes, Amen. Lost or saved, they all know. They all know the necessity of choosing. Yes. But this has to do with who you choose to hear. That's right. Amen. Amen, brother David. I was uh, blessed by your message. And by the scriptures that you call to mind, and uh, there's you were talking about uh, God's salvation, which He is doing, and He's causing things to happen for His glory. In uh, Ezekiel 36, you referred to this this 
think about what what it is that God did. Is Isaiah 30, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 29. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you should be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. Amen. I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Amen. I will also save you from all your uncleanness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I appreciate what you said. If, if you find that you're you didn't say it exactly this way, but if you're you find that you're pursuing righteousness and uh, being obedient and living by faith, it's because God caused you to do that. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Yes, brother. It, God gave us the example of Israel. See, all of this has actually been demonstrated in the nation. Who chose Abraham? Yes. Who chose Israel? Who uh -huh. delivered Israel? Who yeah. fed to Israel? Who yeah. led Israel? See, it's all recorded. That's right. It's yeah. all recorded. Yeah. You can't account for Israel. You can't even account for the existence of Israel apart from yeah. God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's right. So, it, so it's lived out. And that, yes. that's, Amen. See, Satan has led people to close the first part of the scriptures. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's where it was all demonstrated in flesh and blood life. Wow. It was demonstrated. The doctors demonstrated in flesh and blood Amen. life. Right Amen. there. Amen. Sarah, who was barren, at the appointed time would have a child, to have a child of the promise at the appointed time. Yes, brother. Yeah, if I had to classify this message today, it would be fortification for the soul. The thing is, if, if, you, if you know, if you understand what you just preached on, this will, this, will, this will give you power to say no to sin. It will do that. Mm. I mean, God's for you. If he's for you, who can be against you? Amen. So we, need, we need our souls to be fortified. Amen. And I like how Paul said it. He said, he didn't say, who shall lay anything to the charge of Christians? He didn't say, who shall lay anything to the charge of believers? He said, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? See, there's a confidence that comes from knowing that the Lord is the one who caused. Yes, Brother Given. It takes a fundamentally dishonest person to say that they could be, that they couldn't be wrong. Yeah, yeah. A person like that's a liar. Yeah. Uh-huh. We were all wrong. Yeah. All of us were wrong. Amen. No matter where we were born, no matter how much education we had, we were Amen. wrong. Mm -hmm. No matter how much our parents raised we were wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a it's a milestone when like parents can see their children are wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Down at the core. Yeah. That's why they have to be converted. That's right. Mm -hmm. Amen. Sister Heather? Uh, you mentioned um, several times that Jesus says, follow me. And from John 10, verse 27, my, uh, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
This is confirmation that if you hear Jesus talking to you and yeah. calling to follow him, then you are his sheep within his flock and you can respond and follow him. He's calling you. Amen. Thank you, brother, for your for yes, your amen. encouragement. Follow. Amen. Yes. Brother David. Yeah, Jesus, he went to the temple, but he went to Gethsemane. Yes. Yeah. And he went to Calvary. Yes. He went to the tomb. <laughs> See, following Jesus Amen. doesn't mean following Jesus is always pleasant. That's right. To the flesh. Amen. Amen. <coughs> I was thinking about uh, Jesus being God's elect, the one he had chosen. And so I made a list of some words that Jesus was appointed by God. He was like Moses was faithful in his house. Jesus was faithful to him that appointed him. Because yeah. of God. Mm -hmm. He's, he was approved by God. It says in Acts 2.22, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God by signs and wonders. He was anointed by God. He's the mm -hmm. Lord's Christ. God has anointed him. He said he anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. He was uh, thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He said he is God's elect. My servant, whom I uphold, mine elect. Mm -hmm. In First Peter two six, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect. Yeah, right. He was ordained by God. Mm -hmm. He's going to be. He's ordained by God to be the judge of the world, and God has appointed a day in which He will judge the world by that man whom He has ordained. Amen. He was just like every priest or high priest was ordained. God ordained. Christ to be a high priest. Amen. And he was chosen by God. He was faithful to how God had chosen him. I just, uh, I was blessed by thinking about how God is, God elected Jesus. Amen. Yes, amen. It could be argued that probably the easiest thing you'll ever do is to be baptized. That probably is the easiest thing you'll have to do. Well, just imagine that people that haven't been baptized. Now, you're, the day of judgment comes, and the books are open, and the books record that Jesus was baptized. Yeah, yeah. And then the the judge will say, "And why weren't you?" Yeah. Amen. Amen. See, it's just good to get those questions settled before Amen. you leave the earth. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brethren.